Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, we are uh, enjoying our uh, little journey we've been on. I've, I've been, I always love it because I love to, I like to get things. I got, I get to spend time every now and again. If, uh, if I'm not being drawn away, I, I get to spend a lot of time in the morning with the Lord just seeking His face. Just, if you've never done it, I challenge you to. I know sometimes it might be a little strange when you go, okay, what would I say? It's like, really, it's more like any conversation. It's better listening. You know, it's better to just listen and I get to spend time and listen and, and seek His face and say, Lord, what, what are you wanting to say to your people? Lord, what do you have to say to the people that right here in Brunswick, Georgia, that you're wanting to, you're wanting to do some magnificent things in and through? What do you have to say? And so we've been looking at this thing about down to earth because ever since the fall of man, man has struggled to try to reach God. And so we come up with all kind of ways and means and ideas and we think simply by self-sacrifice or by sanctimonious rituals or by, by somehow I can grab the attention of God by somehow how wonderful I do things instead of celebrating how good He is and how wonderful He does things. And so that's what we've been looking at and we, we kinda, I kinda took a little bit of a turn and I've had a few people ask that we didn't look at the usual Christmas story. I broke it down because I know some people like abbreviated things, like messages. Y'all, y'all don't like it for me to go for an hour and a half. Praise the Lord. Neither would I. But we abbreviate things and like we, we narrowed down the Christmas story into one verse. It just didn't give us all the details that Matthew and Luke gave us. So we look at this. It's one we've been, uh, kind of sharing each week in John chapter one, verse 14. We get the Christmas story in a verse. And it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This is the, the gospel, the Christmas message in one verse. It doesn't give us names. It doesn't give us details. It doesn't say where. It doesn't give us location. But we looked at some of those, and we looked at first, we looked at Mary, how God, when he wanted to, 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 to literally give the greatest, most incredible news that mankind had ever heard, he went to a 14-year-old girl. A 14-year-old girl. Could you imagine if you had this news, you just had to tell somebody. I mean, it's, I got to tell somebody. <laughs> Would you go to a 14-year-old girl? Hey, let me tell you something. Really? It might get texted out. It might get sent out. There's a number of things that could happen as a result of that. But God decided, I need to go tell Mary. And we looked a couple weeks ago about just how incredible this girl is. And that we, even Sunday night, we looked at her song that said she was a woman of the word. She, she knew God. She didn't just know about him. She knew him and she had spent time studying the prophets and through her one song, there were, there were references all through the Old Testament of how she had studied and knew about the, the Savior to come. The Messiah was on his way. And so when it, when the angel showed up, yes, she was shocked. Could you imagine 14? You just got this news. Now I always think, hey, what, why didn't he go to her mom and dad? <laughs> because he had, she was actually a, uh, she was over of age. She had already had her, uh, um, bar mitzvah where she had become a daughter of the commandments and so she was and she was also engaged and so as we looked at it we saw some wonderful things that mary uh implemented that we could implement in our lives last week 
we looked at the uh, Magi and we, we saw where these, we even had a couple of y'all ask me this week, we saw where there may not necessarily been just three. <laughs> You're like, ooh, come on. I know that's going to mess up some people. I had one person like, now do I got to go buy another manger scene so I can get some extra Magi in there? <laughs> I can't put just three anymore. It's like, look, the world doesn't set it up that way. If you look at it, there were, there were three gifts, so we naturally think there was three men carrying three little gifts. And I want to tell you, in that day and culture, trying to track across eight to 900 miles across the desert with just three of them carrying gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I'm going to tell you, they were wiser than that. They were wise men, and they were not just going to try to go, I think we could make it. They had people with them, and they even showed up in uh, in Jerusalem where they then then they were sent to Bethlehem. They showed up and they they had to be an entourage because they made an, they made noise. They got Herod's attention, say, "Hey, hey, hey, what y'all doing?" And so we saw through them uh, that what they what they came to give and what they came to bring. They came to worship the Messiah, and uh, and we also found out it, they you know there again. Don't get rid of your manger scene. <laughs> they may not have been there at the actual. It actually, if, if you look at it historically, it might have been about as much as two years old. So, not to, not to hurt anybody's feelings, but to, to look at scripture. This morning, uh, we're going to take another step and we're going to look at um, uh, meeting the Messiah. And we're going to look at this group of people called shepherds. Shepherds. Anybody here, we're going to look at the shepherds. Anybody here ever played a shepherd in the Christmas pageant or play anybody here ever done that? And, and it's like, hey, I was a shepherd. We got to play Jesus and we, we get our robes and we dress them up. And I just want to say that um, you, you may really want to look at who you were representing. Because there again, I, I, God knew what he was doing when he came to earth. When he first spoke to a 14-year-old girl and then, or 14, 15, and then confirmed it with her husband in a dream. First, the angel speaks to her, and then we saw where by a star, he led these wise men, the magi, across the desert to reach him. And then we see here where shepherds show up in the story. And we're going to look this morning a little bit in Luke, but before you do, I want you to think about this. We've made out because of Hallmark, and because of uh, uh, medieval art, we've made them out to be some nice, quaint, just little awesome, integrous men. And I want to tell you something. In the first century, that, that wasn't necessarily the case. <laughs> like, uh, they were some, uh, they were not looked at. It was really a degrading thing to be a shepherd. It, it wasn't one of these, you know, pronounced jobs like, oh, what else can you do? Well, uh, I can be a shepherd. Like we're, we're going to go down. Well, I, I guess I guess there's nothing left me. I'll be a shepherd, and so they were not what we like to think of today. These these wonderful men. As a matter of fact, they were hated a lot because they would they'd show up on your grass. They see green pastures and they'd lead sheep, and they didn't care. They would actually lead them to your yard, and they'd start eating up your grass. And like, mm. and in the desert, that was prime. <laughs> like, whoa! And so they would they would go around and lead flocks up. A lot of times they were dishonest. They were a group of, of men that's like, we, we got to get some sheep fed and we're going to make it happen. 
And uh, we don't care who we hurt in the process. Matter of fact, if you look at, in the Old Testament, some of the interchanges with shepherds, the first time or one of the main times we see in Moses, when Moses was running from the Pharaoh, he shows up and there's some shepherds having a fight. And he has this, like he has to defend these uh, Jethro's daughter's honor. Like, hey, y'all back off. This is Jacob. They get to go first. So we see first where they had, uh, they were trying to muscle in on some, whether it was water and so, and whether it was, whether it was land. And so we, we've reduced the shepherds down to sitting around a campfire singing kumbaya, waiting for the Jesus with marshmallows and hot dogs. Like, okay, Jesus. We're waiting and singing hallelujah. And just waiting for glory to God. And we've reduced them down. And I want to tell you, the beauty as we look at this, and I'm not trying to, Make them out any, to be any worse than they were. They already did that. I can't do anything. And I'm not trying to make them out to be better than they were. But I am trying to give us a real fair glance at Scripture and see why it was that angels showed up to them. Why would he go to a group? I mean, think about it. If I had the greatest news to share, why would I go to these, what we'd call desperados, where we would, where we'd go to, uh, these people out here in the fields that are, uh, having a, you know, no telling what they would do. Why would I go to them instead of, why didn't, why didn't an angel show up like, right to Herod himself, like, hey, you the king, we got the king is coming. He's already showing up. Watch out. We're going to let you know or show up with a group of, of the politicians or go up and, and show up in a number of places. Why did he choose these shepherds? And I believe with all my heart, there's a few things we can draw from this this morning. I hope you'll go on this journey with me for just a moment. If you got your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke chapter two, verse eight and nine. And then we're gonna, we're gonna take it and take this and have a little fun doing it. In Luke chapter two, verses eight and nine, it says in the same region, what region? The region of Bethlehem. Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flocks. So they're just doing their duty. First of all, you know, that's that's what they do. They, you know, it's like the cowboys. We just out on home, home on the range out here at night over their flocks. They're watching. You know why they had to keep watch of their flocks? Yes, there were wolves. Yes, there were lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. But, but what there were is... There were other shepherds out there too. And they had no problem. Like, hey, we got some extra sheep showed up last night. They had to keep watch. And so when we look at them watching their flocks, it said, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone. Here he shows up to this group of men. And what happened? He's strong, courageous, no telling what they... They they shows up and says, And they were... Terrified. They showed up. God shows up with these angels to the shepherds and they are completely out of their mind like, oh, because in those days when an angel, they knew, they've heard that when angels show up, it's, it's usually God trying to bring some wrap down. He is really fixing to show something and, and they thought, uh oh, they're convicted. <laughs> they may have done a thing or two wrong. You know, kind of like us, we may have done a few things wrong. An angel shows up like, oh, it's a natural reaction. If you look at even the, even when the, 
when the uh, prophets, when an angel showed up, they I'm undone, I'm unclean, I, I don't, I, you, I shouldn't be here. It always was the case when the supernatural came in contact with the natural. And so I think if we could do one thing, they're just doing their thing. I believe we could learn one thing just off of these two scriptures, and that's this. God meets ordinary people in ordinary places. He meets ordinary people in ordinary places. This wasn't some holy place. This wasn't, it, God said, hey, we're just out watching, watching our sheep. We're making sure and protecting them like nobody's going to get them. No animal, no beast. And he shows up, they're doing their thing, and the angels show up to them because God demonstrated, hey, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. That's what Luke 5, 31 through 32, it, it's what Jesus, a little later in, in the gospel of Luke, Jesus is talking, he's actually eating with sinners. And they began to give him a hard time about what he was doing. And this is what he said. He answered them and said, it is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So this morning, if you're in here and you got a struggle going on in your life, if there's something that enemy's really messing with you about, I got good news for you. God shows up to ordinary people in ordinary places. That's what it also says in Luke 19.10. Think of it this way. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. He came after us. He came for us. That was his whole purpose. And so the same reason that he showed up to this, this group of men, that's, I believe, with all my heart, why he showed up there. Why he didn't go to the religious leaders. Why he didn't go to to the, the political leaders. Why he didn't go to all the people. He's like, I'm going to show up right here where the people are the lowest of the low. And I'm going to go and show and, and show show in and show out through them. And then let's read on again in Luke 2, reading the next two verses. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. You know what? When you When you have that, it's good to hear assurance. When you get come in contact with, with the Lord, it's like, hey, I'm not coming to, to scare you. I'm coming to build you up. I'm coming to let you know, hey, I've got something good to share with you. Don't worry. You're good. And so he says, don't be afraid. The angels tell him. And then it says, for, look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for how many people? I thought it's just for church people. <laughs> I thought it's for the good people. That God, it, this is for those who dress right and act right and talk right. One thing about shepherds that, that I, I skipped in my notes, I want to tell you something. Their language was not the best. Just so you know, they, they, they may have used a couple things. Just kind of like a lot of other people in the Bible. I know many times when we look at the Bible, we think they were all perfect people. They were all imperfect people celebrating and looking forward to the one perfect one that showed up. That's what the whole message of this is all about. And so if you've ever had a problem with language, guess what? God, he's got, a, he's got room for you. He, he, want, he wants to help you. He says, but don't be afraid. I proclaim good news of great joy that will be for all people, not some, but everybody. Today, a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for who? Look what he said. Look how he went from all people for all people to you. I came for you. And what is it? In the city of David, this will be a sign for you. Listen, God first wants to reach you fully. 
first wants to reach me fully. He wants to display His glory in me. He wants to come and share with me first and foremost. And so that's the very first thing He does is come to us. And even goes on to say, this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe. And this is where it gets a little cute and fuzzy and you get a little cuddly where you got this nice little baby all snugly in the manger. It, actually, it's in a feeding trough. That's what it was. We make it nice and cute and sweet, but it literally just animals were eating there. I don't know, cows. Anybody ever seen a cow eat? All the stuff that comes out. Anybody seen a horse go at it? It, it, they're not just nice and clean. They don't wipe, oh, they don't take their hooves and go, oh, go. like, oh, look, that looks like a great place to put a baby, you know. And so he, he puts it in there, just bring reality in. And this is what we get from these two verses, I believe. So first thing, we, we looked at God meets ordinary people in ordinary places, but God meets us for us. He meets us for us. See, many times we we want to look at what can God do for somebody else and God say, no, I want to do something for you. And, and it's not because, you know, many people think and they've got this mindset, God needs us. And I want to shock you just a minute. God is perfectly, 100% self-sufficient in himself. He has no need of anything. It's not like he, oh, I got to do this in order to feel... Thing we have needs all the time, but God, it's not because He needed us, because He wanted us. It's a much different thing when you're not needed, but you're wanted. And God wants you, and He came to this group of people not because of what they could do for Him, but what He could do for them. And I want to tell you this morning, if you've ever struggled with, does God really love me? Does God, is He not only loves you, He wants you, He's for you. And He wants, first of all, to meet you for you. Not for what you can do for him, but for you personally. And so any struggles that you have going on, any struggles that I have going on, just know this, God wants to show up to us for us. Praise God. That's a big one that you need to grab a hold of. Matter of fact, John 10.10 says this. The thief comes only to do what? Steal and to kill and destroy. And look what Jesus said. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not just life. I mean, let's be honest. It's Christmas and we celebrate, but guess what? Tomorrow's Monday morning. <laughs> you're going to have stuff tomorrow morning. There are things that you're going to have to get done. There, there's the hustle and bustle of everyday life and there's things that we go through and they're still there. And God's saying, look, in the midst of that, I still want to display my goodness in and through you. I came to give you life and give it to the full. Even in the, even what we would call the mundane, the everyday task of life. You know, when the grass, well, praise the Lord, it's slowing down. Amen. Grass has to be cut. When things have to get done, guess what? Clothes still have to be washed. Dishes still have to be done. Amen. Praise the Lord for those automatic dishwashers. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all are like, Mark, we don't use those. I am the dishwasher. God bless you. I did that many years. <laughs> Only kid. It's like, it just wash it. We, we have all types of things. When, when we look at our mundane and the things that we have to do, God shows up even there. And that's what this season is really about. Let's move on a little bit here to the next. We're going to look at verses 13 and 14 and see what we can find out at this point. So he tells them what's going to happen. 
He says, go and look. You're going to find the baby there. And then right after that, God shows out just a little bit just because he can. He says, at that point, the angels are speaking to him. And first, they're giving him a message. And then they decide, <clears throat> we got a little tune we want to sing for you. <laughs> and he bra- the angels break it out and said, suddenly, it's not just an angel. There's a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Can you see that, first of all, this is one thing. you got to take this group of men. They're out there doing their own thing, going about their own life. Angel shows up, tells them, hey, they get scared like there's an angel showing up. It's bad. It can't be good. We've read the old. We've heard or read the old. Didn't read as much. I'm sorry. They heard because not everybody read back then. This isn't like today. We, we, we try to take our 2019 brain and put it out there. They just knew it about sheep. Some of them may, but they, they had heard that angels show up and it can be bad. So they're doing this. And then he gives them the message, hey, for you. I've got something for you. The Savior has come for you. And then after that, they begin to sing and they let out this burst. And I believe God did that for one reason. And the same thing he does for us. God loves to affirm us. God loves to affirm us. You thought, I, many people think God is just literally with a lightning bolt. They got this picture of God in their mind that the moment you mess up, he's got a lightning bolt with your name on it. Mm-hmm. One more time. And it's somehow that he's out to get us or he's got a whip in his hand. Look, the only time it shows in scripture with God with a whip in his hand is at the temple when they were, the religious people were selling, you know, bad, bad animals to pass them off as, as, as legible sacrifices. And he overturned the money changers. Like, hold it. That's, that's it. God wants to affirm us and he'll go through great lengths to do that. Amen. He'll do, he loves to do that. Then we get to carry on our story and moving, moving a little further down the line. We see in Luke 2, 16 and 18 says they hurried off after they saw this and they got their, their chorus of angels celebrate singing for them. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. I had to stay on, I didn't want, I, I know we use manger. I just had to give the reality, give it that feel in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. That's all they did was share what was told to them. They were not scholars. They didn't know the Old Testament. They hadn't studied it. They just heard something and they began to share. And what happened? And all who heard. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, here's something that's not put in Scripture, that's not found, that you might want to think about. Okay, Mary and Joseph, many of us know that they went to Bethlehem. There was no room at the end. It was time for her to give birth, and there was no room for her at the end. So they were given this stable, this basically here, where the animals, you get to stay here. It's all we have. Take it. And they, they took it which was also to fulfill scripture, fulfill prophecies that had been said where and how he'd be born. All that was in the Old Testament. When they showed up there and they had the baby, what we might automatically think is Mary and Joseph stayed in the manger, by, I mean, stayed in the, in the thing by themselves with this baby. Like, we'll just sit here because we have manger scenes where they just sit there. 
And so Mary and them, they would change poses and every now and again because people were coming to get some selfies and some, hey, let me get a picture of me right there. Jesus, look at that. Smile. There's the baby. Let, let us do this. They were sitting here like, hey. Like they just sat there. They had a life. They had to go eat. They had to, I believe with all my heart there were people that were in the end that heard a baby cry. <laughs> that there's this, this young mother carrying this baby. And let me tell you something. There's nothing like a little baby when it shows up in the room where the coos and the co- oh, ooh, oh. Where they showed up and this baby comes out. They were not by themselves just sitting there like, oh no. There's people. They were coming into their own hometown. Joseph's old hometown. He was coming in there and says, all who heard. So I don't believe it was just Mary and Joseph sitting there with Jesus. I believe there were other people from the inn that were there as well. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Why would, why would Mary and Joseph be amazed? Mary had already been told by an angel. Joseph had already been confirmed in the thing. The others who were hearing this like, what? They shared the Messiah. Here he is. We heard the angels told us this is what was going to happen. And they sat there and they were like, what? They were amazed at what they heard. And I want to say this. This is what's beautiful. You may not know much about what God does and how he operates. But if you know one thing, that God loves you and he's for you, and that Jesus died for you, you right now have more understanding than most people in this world. And you could go be a missionary tomorrow. That's because this is what the next one says. Others meet God through us. So they met God for themselves. God demonstrated them. He showed them. And God uses others and wants to use us to help others meet him. That's the thing that the shepherds did. This group of men, could you imagine when they came into town, when they came rolling in, let me help you. There again, i got to take you back a little bit. You might have to use your nose. Shepherds hung out with sheep. (laughs) Anybody hang out with animals? Spend some time around them? You you get around them. you, You hang out with them. You start smelling like them a little bit. You know what I mean? Anybody that, that rides horses, anybody been around horses? I had a cousin that had horses growing up. And I could tell when my cousin came around. It's not because they showed up. Like I, if the wind was blowing right, I'd know well long before they showed up. But, oh, yeah. Animals, you, you, you take on that smell. So when the shepherds show up and also knowing what they were, how they were, they would probably not have gotten the best reception. We've got to take our night, our 2019 night, nice little cute little sweet thing and go, sweet little brain of how we look at it and say, no, in reality, it was amazing that these were the men that God used to share the truth of His goodness and His plan to mankind. Incredible. And then a, the last couple, and we may even get out early. I don't know. But y'all, be, y'all be praying. It might happen. We'll see. Something like what? <laughs> in uh, in Luke chapter nineteen, we're going to look at two groups here. We're going to see a couple things. First of all, there's Mary. Mary hears this. She's the one that has Jesus. She already was spoken to by the angel. What was going to take place? It happens just like he says. Mary's taking in all this right now. All this is just her and the shepherds and going. There's no wise men yet, y'all. Let me help you. That comes a little bit later where all the gifts show up. So it's just them and she's taking it. And Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart. 
and meditating on them. She's, she's thinking about what ha- what's happened to her. Like, I was just going about my day. I was just, just going on my, I was just doing my normal thing that a 14, 15 year old girl preparing to be married. She was thinking about being married to Joseph and she was going about her day and doing that. The angel shows up and says, Hey, Mary, I bring great tidings. I'm a great joy. You're going to have, look, I'm, I'm coming to share the greatest news. She, she takes that in and she's let it be done after, after first of all, she was terrified and she's like, Whoa. She, she, after, after she listened, she said, okay, be it done unto me as you say. So it's done unto her as she says. Joseph goes. So she ponders all that's taking place. First of all, she is worried about her husband like anybody. Like, hold on, if I'm pregnant, my husband, he could have a little problem with that. So that, he, God took care of all that. He shows up and Mary starts treasuring and pondering, wow, an angel speaks to me. He impregnates me with the Son of God. I move on. Joseph doesn't, I mean, she could have been killed, doesn't go through with that, shows up, and as a result, she's sitting here now with the, with the Son of God, and these angels, the most unsuspecting people, show up to affirm her that this is what's happened. So she treasures it in her heart. She just ponders it, and she's taking it in. And then, then there's the shepherds. Look what they did. After they, this had all happened, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Now, where do they return to? Most people don't... I know, I like to think outside the box a little bit. They returned back to the sheep, y'all. They returned back to the field where they came from. But as they went, something was different about them. They'd experienced something they'd never be, this field would never be the same again. It was like, whoa, whoa. Like Mary. Mary had been pondering this and she realized, oh, my life will never be the same again. The fields will never be the same again. I experienced something that can, that changed me in such a way I'll never be able to be the same again. Yes, I'm still going to have things I'm going to walk through. Yes, I'm still going to have mundane days. Yes, I'm going to have good days. Yes, I'm going to have bad days. Yes, there are things that are going to happen in this life, but something's happened that I cannot deny. And I just got to say, wow, whoa. Mary ponders and treasures, meditates on it. The shepherds are going, wow, Lord, you're so good. We thought we were about gone, man. We knew what we had done. We thought it was over for us. And they're going, wow, they're praising God now instead of being afraid of God. Instead of being afraid of Him, they start praising Him and they go back. And I believe this. This is what happened. As a result, God confirms His plan many times through others. God confirms his plan many times through others. You know, there are people right now that are walking around Brunswick, Georgia with the mindset that God's mad at them. That God's trying to kill them right now. That God, he's out. He, I, you know why? Because they're just like you and I. We know sitting here all the things we've ever said and done. And I'm talking about yesterday. <laughs> Let's go ahead and be real. We're, we're talking about things that have happened recently, not just a way back. I mean, I praise God. I gave my life to the Lord 
February the 9th, 1986, and that was a long time ago. But let me tell you something, it's still very real today. And I've got two choices. I'm either going to focus on what he's done, I'm going to focus on what I've done. I was like, Lord, you're so much better. You're so much, you're so incredible. And when we look at how we're supposed to do this, God, like this morning, if you don't know Jesus, your number one goal is to get to know him in a very real personal way. And when you do, you'll find out he's more loving, he's more forgiving, he's more kind. When one of the, one of the disciples came and said, Lord, how many times am I supposed to forgive people? Anybody ever ever have a struggle forgiving people? They just get on your nerve. They bounce up and down. And like they just put there in that place. I believe that many times God's puts them there to work stuff out in you, not because of them. It's like, I can't get this out of you any other way. Anybody ever had that? And Jesus said, I tell you what, you just forgive them like your father in heaven forgives you. How many times that? Seven. Seven times? No, seven times 70. A day. What? What? Seven times a day? God is so much for us and God wants to confirm. And there are people right now walking around that you, you walk through every day. You're working with them. You live next door to them. You're sitting right by people every day. You're connecting. You're in contact with people and they need to know that God's for them and He's not against them. The whole message of Christmas, the whole message, if I could break it down, it's real simple. It's because of what God's done for us. It's not because of what we do for Him. Matter of fact, Romans 10, 14, it says this. Romans 10, 14 says, But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And I want to say to you in America and all over the world, it's it's steady. I mean, in America, we have more access to videos, more access to preachers, more access to sermons, more access to knowledge, more access to everything. But that's not you. They need to hear from you. See, it's one thing for, for me to go share with somebody. It's another thing for you to share with your family and your friends. See, I got family members myself. I'm still believing. It's been 33 years and by in the, by the glorious God that I serve and by Jesus and, and Acts, uh, where it says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. I only got a couple now. They, they, they the tough ones. They holding out. But I just sit there believing every year. Ooh, this is going to be the one. And one by one, they're coming one by one. I want to tell you, you got neighbors, you got friends, you got coworkers, you got people. They need to hear from you. What has Jesus done for you lately? What, how, how has he cleansed you? How has he freed you? How has he done this work? This is what they want to hear from is you. You tell them that. Like, well, my, my preacher can come tell you. I'm not the preacher. You're the preacher. I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm supposed to help you with, with what you're doing and help you, encourage you to go preach <laughs> to those people and tell them the good news that God came to save them. God came to deliver them. God came to do this. And this is what, if I broke it down, and I'll close with this, if I had to break all this down into just a few sentences, Christmas is about God through Christ meeting us, first of all, in our pain and loneliness. Christmas isn't always celebration, as I shared, and we're still continuing to pray for John and others. There's some people that really struggle. They're lost. They lost loved ones, and this is, this is a battle. It's real. I mean, it's a, it's a mental, physical, emotional struggle. It, it's not just my mom every 
Thanksgiving and Christmas, she gets a little speech because right now she's still, we're there. And every year she gets teared up every year. This isn't just for us. This is for those who couldn't be here today. Those who have gone on. And I know some of you, all of you have the same thing. Those of us who have, who have gone on. Now I know that we don't grieve as those with no hope, but it still doesn't mean we miss. We don't miss people. We we grieve. I I I know. I sometimes I can I get excited when I say, "Hey, look! If y'all hear Mark Linton's gone, y'all say woo!" Because I mean it. I'm what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing. You're gonna be like woo! It's incredible. But it doesn't mean that there are people that still are missed. So He deals with our pain and He deals with our loneliness. It's also about God showing up and meeting us in our joys and successes. Like there's no high too high. It's like he celebrates when we celebrate. I want to tell you, God, when you do something great, God's the one that goes, Woo! Good job. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. He celebrates just as much as you do. Some of y'all think, no, he's, he doesn't do that. Oh, what does the Bible say? It says, look, when one person, when one sinner comes to the Lord, what happens? All of heaven rejoices. Woo! They did it. They came to me. All of it rejoices. You don't think God knows how to rejoice? Oh, he can throw a party like nobody else. I can't wait to get there. So he meets us in our joys and success. He also meets us in our frustration and anger. Our humanity. Anybody struggle with anger sometimes? People just won't do what I want them to. <laughs> they would just do what I want them to. I'd be happy. No, you would. <laughs> You'd find something else. <laughs> we get frustrated. Because I can't get can't get everything lined up. Look, this this world, this this relationship we're in, it's not about perfection. It's not about perfection. It's about walking with a Savior. It's about connecting. It's about walking through this life with a very real, tangible God that loves us, that knows everything about us. And even in the midst of our frustration and anger, He's right there. He meets us right there. Many people think he leaves at that point. Like, like somehow he comes and goes like, oh, I got frustrated. God's like, okay, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> like somehow God couldn't take it. It's like, oh, I hear it all. And God doesn't go, oh. God's looking with love saying, man, I'm for you. Come on. Hey, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. You, you don't scare me off. God didn't scare. If that was the case, I wouldn't have any hope whatsoever, just so you know. So God meets us what? Also, not just on Sundays. Christmas isn't about a one-time. It's not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday. You see, I know coming here, and I've said this many times, and I'll say it many more times till we all get it. Church is not about us coming to display our goodness to each other. It's about us experiencing His goodness and then going and sharing that with others. It's, it's about us sinners. It's about us shepherds. Us who have mistakes. Us who have chinks in the armor. Us who have, have done things and said things and stuff that have been done and said to us that, that, that disqualifies us. It's to put us on the outside. That we should be on the outside looking in. But by God's grace and His mercy, He draws us in and says, I'm for you. I want you. I did this for you, not for me. So it's not just a Sunday thing. It's a Saturday, Saturday uh, Monday through Saturday. And then finally, Christmas is about God through Christ meeting us and being a part of our lives every day. It's every day. Every day. 
on my successes, on my failures, on my pain, on my loan. It, it doesn't matter. He does. There's no place. There's no height we can't go to, and there's no depth we can go to where God's not right there. He's already above it. He's below it. He's there for us. And I just want to challenge us that once we experience that, we have to go and share that with other people. You know, I'm reminded of one story. When I got saved in 1986, that was in February, by August of 1986, I was in the school of ministry right here with one of my mentors God used tremendously named Billy Godwin, and he challenged me to read books. And I had never read books. I, I, okay. I read books, the ones the teachers told me to. And by God's grace and through cliff notes, I made it through high school. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, I began to read books of great Christians. I began to read books about anybody that connected with God and how they connected. And I'll never forget reading this book about a church that wanted to start a college ministry. It was in Virginia. And it tells the story of this guy named Bill that he had, uh, he, he was successful. He's very smart, but, uh, he, it was in, he was in the, this was in the seventies. The book was written. And it tells about him showing up to church in jeans and a holy t-shirt and some wild hairs, kind of like today's culture, you know. That's it all. We, we'd go in cycles. And so he shows up and he, he shows up at church and there's a church right by campus and the church was wanting to start a college ministry for the thing. And it's, it's right there. And so he decided, Hey, it's a traditional church. I'm going to go check it out. So he shows up at church and he starts walking down the aisle. He gets down, starts walking. He keeps walking, he keeps going, and he gets closer and he realizes the more he goes, it's packed and he can't find a seat. But it doesn't stop him, he keeps walking and looking, where's that seat at? And finally, the story went and said, Bill finally couldn't find anywhere, so he did whatever, whatever he, college student would do at that time, he just sat down. <laughs> okay, I can't find a seat, I'll just sit down right here. I'm right here, by the way. <laughs> He just disappeared on us. No. Bill just sat down. And everybody in there was horrified that how dare him just go and sit down right there. So about a few minutes go by and it says one of the one of the an elderly gentleman that was a deacon in the church in his eighties. He walks down, he gets his cane and he, he's having a struggle and he starts easing down and Everybody in their mind, they're thinking, yeah, he's fixing to get his. Uh-huh. How dare him think he's going to come in, in our worship service and mess up the service and just sit down. He gets down there and he starts getting there. He finally gets to him. He sits there. He takes his cane and he hangs it on the back of one of the pews. And he starts easing down to him. Wow. He looks at him and says, hey. You mind if I join you for worship today? <laughs> he began to look, and he, he he realized this is how you start a ministry, right? This is what you do right here. What's what's in the house? And I want to challenge us this morning. There are people looking still today. There are people still seeking a savior. We got to ask ourselves: Are we so locked into religion or what we think and? what we feel instead of sharing the truth and the love and the grace that's been poured out to us by our Heavenly Father. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Thank you, Lord God.
Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you that while we were yet sinners, Jesus, you chose not to die first, but to be born and take on our humanity. And in so doing, you took on our form. And then you took the beating that we deserve for our sin and for all that we've done. Lord, we celebrate your life here this morning. And I can't help but but think this morning right now as you're here with your eyes closed and your head bowed and the only reason I, that I ask people to do that is the only way I know you can get along. And I just want to know, maybe you've felt like you're on the outside looking in. Maybe you felt like God really doesn't meet with me, that I'm trying. You've been working real hard trying to get him, get to him and trying to make him recognize you. And God's saying, stop striving. Stop striving. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Christmas isn't about what you've done. It's about what he's done. It's not about your mistakes. It's about his glory and his goodness. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth towards men. It's about joy to the world. This morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this would be a great opportunity. I'm not saying say a prayer. I'm talking about giving your life to Jesus. If you'd like to do that, I'd love to lead you in that prayer. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus at one point and you made that decision, but the day you're like, I feel, I feel farther away than I did when I first asked Christ into my life because of things I've done and things I've said, places I've been. Today you want to come home and say, Lord, I, I, I want to I experience your goodness. If that's you. Would you do me a favor wherever you are in this sanctuary? Would you just lift your hand to the Lord and say, that's me, Mark. Would you pray with me and pray for me? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. This is a great day. Praise you, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody that would like to, if you just repeat this with me. Say, Father God, I recognize that the mistakes I've made have separated me from you. But I also recognize today, Jesus, you're here to seek and save every part of me. The parts that were lost parts that were wandering away from you, my mind, my heart, every part of me. Lord, I commit myself into your hands. I ask you to be my Lord and be my Savior. Have your way in and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, here's what I'd love to do. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand up with me at this time. God wants to set people free. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, Lord. If you'll open your hands to the Lord, I want to bless you. Thank you, Lord God. Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. That in so doing, your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to every one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord causes His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, amen.